you have your Bibles for a little while tonight, I want to begin a series, and I don't do a lot of series. I probably need to be a little more disciplined than I am. I do study, but sometimes hindsight, my taillights burn a lot brighter than my headlights most of the time, and so I, I get through and I think, man, that would have been a great series to have done. But this one kind of hit me ahead of time. And uh, we're going to be taking a journey through the book of Hebrews for the next few Wednesday nights. Um, I will be gone next Wednesday night for general conference, but when we get back, we'll pick it up. And we're going to be there for a while because uh, I, I don't, there's several things that I feel compelled to uh, talk to you about, but I want to begin the series, and this is the title of the series, The Choices of Champions. Now, when I was a kid, I remember they used to have the breakfast of champions. Wheaties, is that what it was? Wheaties? And basically what they were trying to tell us is you are what you eat. Well, I have news for you. You're, you're more than that. You are what you fellowship. You are what you hang around. You are what you believe. You are what you think. Amen. And I believe that there is a tremendous, uh, invaluable lesson for us. But I want to talk from the book of Hebrews chapter four tonight. And you'll have to forgive me, I'm not feeling at my best. I've been battling sickness for the last couple of days, but I do want to give you the word of the Lord and maybe get started tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to begin reading with verse number 1, probably read down through verse number 11 or somewhere in that vicinity. He said, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us by, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world, or foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth, everybody say remaineth. It remaineth that some must enter in therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, it will be, if you will hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth. Everybody say it again. Remaineth. There remaineth. There's something still available. Still out there. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And just for the sake of time, I'm going to cease there. But over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a particular phrase that is used at least 13 times in the book of Hebrews, over 28 times in the scripture, I believe. It's derivatives, all of its offshoots. And it is the phrase, let us. Everybody say, let us, let us. That's going to be the basis of our study for a little while. Everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The word champion is only used one time in reference in the Old Testament to Goliath. But the biblical equivalent of that word is used over and over. And that word would be overcomer. An overcomer means someone who subdues or conquers, someone who prevails, one who is victorious. The root of overcomer or overcome is the word that we, in our modern day, uh, we, we refer to it as Nike, a little different in, 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 in the Greek, but That's the root word, N-I-K-E. And this is the meaning of that root word. The means of success. The means, the way, the process, the plans that are followed that lead to success. And 28 times that word overcome or overcomer is used in the Bible to speak about the life that we should live, the kind of life that you and I should be experiencing, the overcoming life. But there is a means of that coming to pass. There's a, there's, there, there are certain processes that you and I must follow. There's certain, uh, Things that must be part of our spiritual life if we are indeed overcomers. I am inspired by that word because i that's what I want to be, is an overcomer. But I also realize that in order to be an overcomer, I have to develop the traits and the characteristics of an overcomer. And I believe that those 
characteristics can be condensed to the choices that you and I make in our life. The things that are before us, the options that life present to us that allow us to pick one way or the other, one response or the other. Those choices are what determine whether or not I succeed or I fail. And so when we read this phrase, let us, I want you to think about it in this manner, that we are literally talking about our life choices. That when we talk about uh, let us, we are speaking of the choices that you and I can can make and we have the opportunity to make in life. And believe it or not, your life is not destined one way or the other. You have options. I have options. We have we have choices that we can make. We are confronted every day with choices. Some of them are not as critical as others, but they do in a sense determine our destiny. They determine the, the, the fate of our life. Our lineage does not do it because we have many people that have proven that your genetics don't have to be what torpedo your life. Just because your family were alcoholics or drug addicts or because they were jerks don't mean you have to grow up to be a jerk. I know that's deep, but some of you will pick it up in a little while. Sometimes we blame our life on our genetics. Well, that's just my dad coming out in me. Well, you need to subdue your dad if that's your dad coming out because your dad's deadly. <laughs> and, 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 and my, well, that's just my, that, that's just my, my family showing up. Well, again, I think sometimes we need to make sure we understand that our destiny is not determined by our genetics. It's not determined by where we were born or when we were born or who we were born to. There's too many stories of people that have been born into the most abject of circumstances and yet they rose to a pinnacle of success in their life because they did not let what they grew up in limit them to what they could become. And I think it's important that all of us understand that our genetics can't stop us from being overcomers and our personality can't. Well, let me re, let me back up. Maybe it could. But it shouldn't. Amen. Personality needs to be subdued. Amen. You're going to get with me after a while. I'm too sick to make you do it tonight, but I'm going to get you with me in a little while. Not all of our choices are life and death issues. Whether you eat at McDonald's or Whataburger or Saltgrass Steakhouse. I guess maybe if what you ate all the time, it might be a life or death issue. If you ate Big Macs every day. But... um, 
whether you shop at Walmart or Dillard's or Kroger or H-E-B, those things really, they just, that's a matter of choice. But they're not life and death issues. Whether you drive a Ford or a Cadillac or a Mercedes or a Volkswagen, it does, those, that, that does not determine whether I'm going to sink or swim. But there are choices that I make and there are choices that I have the opportunity to make that can literally catapult me into a different level of living, into a different life in so many ways. Choices that mold our life, choices that develop the future and happiness and so much more. Moses, the scripture said in Hebrews 11, chose, uh, he, he decided one day the direction that his life was going to take. And the scripture said he chose rather to suffer with God's people than to enjoy the luxuries of Pharaoh's palace. And the interesting thing about that choice was that it not only affected his destiny, but it affected the destiny of millions of other people. Do you understand tonight the weight of the consequences that that hang in the choices that we make? Our decisions are so vital to our spiritual success. And so I want us to look for a few weeks at the choices. Hebrews is one of my favorite books in the Bible and I go back to it over and over again. I mean, there's just so much good in it. It is the book of better things. There's a, uh, many comparisons between the old covenant and the new, the old way and the new way, and the old promises and the new promises. And I, I am thankful that we are given the opportunity to experience those better things, that we have the opportunity to enjoy better things because of Jesus uh, coming into our life. But I I I am I'm 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 smart enough to understand that although everything he has done for me can transform my life, whether it does or not is still my choice. There's so much in this book that we don't even embrace yet, but if we would it would alter our life. It would improve our life and make us better. But we have to make that choice to adopt that, to let that become a practice in our life, to let it become a part of the fiber and the makeup of our being so that every day, even the minor choices are influenced by this major decision. Amen. In the language of Revelation, we are given the promise what the Lord promises. This is what I hope will be in the back of your mind because this is what the Lord promises to the, to the overcomer. And it is the language of Revelation. But Revelation 2 and 7, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God? 
The first great promise for the overcomer is that he's going to get to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Number two, Revelation 2.11, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2 and 17, the third promise of the overcomer. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. Amen. There's going to be some things that God says about your life that's only going to mean anything to you. But when he says it over you, you're going to rejoice for eternity because God saw it. He He saw that hidden work that you did. Revelation 2.26, another promise of the overcomer is he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations. Revelation 3 and 5, another promise. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father, before his angels. Revelation 3.12, another promise. To him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Revelation 3.21. Another promise. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Wow. He's going to let the overcomer sit with him in his throne. Now, you talk about a choice seat. Amen. That's better than front row. (laughs) Amen. That's better than a box office. Amen. I'm going to sit with him in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. Revelation 21.7 He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be His God. And He shall be my son or my daughter. Amen. That ought to inspire you to want to be an overcomer. Because there's some great promises to those who overcome. Heaven is going to be filled with winners, with victors, with with people who defended certain things and people who guarded certain. And they would not sell the hell certain things to be true. And they would not sell them. They would not compromise them. They would not water them down. They would not alter them. But they guarded those things. Heaven is going to be filled with men and women just like you and I that overcame. Amen. 
Going back to the book of Hebrews. Again, I said it was one of my favorite books. There are so many great things to be found there. But in particular, there is this revelatory phrase, let us, that just keeps coming back into my mind and gripping my thoughts because it speaks to me of my choices. Let us, not make us, but allow us or or we're given the opportunity to do this. And so I'm not destined to failure. I'm not destined to victory, but I have the choice of which one I'm going to ultimately live out. And sometimes we decide without deciding. Sometimes people say, well, Brother Hughes, I really don't have an opinion. That in itself is an opinion. Amen. Because indecision has a way of making decisions for us. So that's why we we need to be... Uh, we, we, we need to be determined and we need to be uh, intentional is the word I'm trying to find. We need to do it with intention. This is what I'm pursuing. This is what I'm reaching for. This is what my goal is. This is what I want to become. This is what I want to incorporate into my life. This is what I want to be a part of the makeup of who I am. I want to have the fiber of an overcomer. I want to, I want to have the name champion stamped over me. I believe maybe that's the new name he's going to give us when we get to heaven. Champion. <laughs> Amen. Now I know some of you just looking at me cross-eyed like me. You got a deeper revelation. You share it with me after church what that new name is. But anyway. Champion. Victor. Overcomer. Amen. Guardian. Preserver. They held true. They were steadfast. They were unmovable. Ever abounding in the grace of God. Growing in grace. And in love. Amen. So much rides on our decisions. We decide every day what kind of person we're going to be. We decide every day what we believe. We decide every day what we serve. We decide every day whom we will follow, what we'll be associated with. We choose every day what will influence our lives. And so much rides on those decisions and those choices. Character. Everybody say character. The person that I become. Not only character, but happiness. Happiness, my joy, my peace. All of that fulfillment is all tied up in the choices that I make. Some people, it's all choices and they wonder why their life is always miserable. It's always a train wreck or one waiting to happen. You need to go check what you're choosing. Whether what we build or stands or falls, rides on what we decide to do with what we have in life. The man 
who was given the opportunity to build. And, and the, Jesus told the story of the two men that were given the opportunity to build. And one built on the sand and one built on the rock. One stood and the other fell. But they chose where they would build their lives. A life that can be shaken or one that cannot be shaken boils down to the simple fact of what we choose to do in our life. What we can be moved by and what we cannot be moved by is determined by what we choose. The choices we make determines the destiny that we reach. So, let's go back to our text and we'll pick it up and very quickly move through it. I believe the first choice of a champion that I want to explore with you tonight is the choice that regards our attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to talk to you. <laughs> Look him back in the eye and say, he's already talking to me. Attitude. Everybody say attitude. Go back to verse number one. He said, let us... Therefore, fear, and I want to stop right there, because that is the crux of everything that follows. That if you miss those opening four words, it doesn't matter what else he says. It doesn't matter the revelation that comes to follow. It doesn't matter what he exposes them to or gives them opportunity of. All of it is tied up in those four words. Let us therefore fear. Fear something that has been lost in our generation. As a matter of fact, it has become quite a famous motto, fearless. We pride ourselves in in eliminating fear. And I do understand that there are many negative connotations to fear. But there is a spiritual application to fear that we better not miss. And if you're going to be an overcomer, if you're going to triumph, if you're going to have the seeds of success sown in your life, if you're going to have a part of your being that which strengthens you on a daily basis, it's going to start with an attitude. And that attitude is fearing the right things. Fearing the right things. Fear, not in the sense of being terrified, but in the sense of being seized by realization. Listen to me. It is being seized by a realization that there are matters at stake that we cannot trifle with. There are things in the balance that we can't play games with. This is not a hope you roll the dice and get lucky numbers. You better make sure when it comes to this. And I have come to understand this about life. My attitude can build me or destroy me. 
And I have to work on my attitude on a daily basis. Now, you may have gotten the victory over yours, and you don't ever have to deal with that. But if you say that, I'm questioning your sanity. Because the truth is, our attitude is something that is always a matter of importance on a daily basis. And so, I I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. He may not have, but I, I believe he was the one who wrote Hebrews. But he said, let us fear. There must be an element of awe and reverence about certain matters in our life that we do not trifle with. You go to McDonald's, that's your choice. I'll go to Taco Bell, that's my choice. But there's some things that we don't play games. It's not a flip the coin and hope, you know, whatever turns up, we'll choose and go there. You, you, you make sure that your choice is pointing you in the right direction. And there are some matters that are so vitally important that hang in eternity that if you mess those up, there's a trickle down effect. There's a lot of other things that fall in its wake down the line. Fear. Amen. Fear. Everybody say fear. Reverence. To treat with awe or deference. It suggests regard and respect. Everybody say regard and respect. It suggests esteem and reverence. Humility and submissiveness to these. That these things are so vital. They are so critical that we cannot afford to play games with them. And we are not going to allow them to become trivial matters that we laugh about and joke about. Of all things, Paul was saying, this matters. This matters. This this has weights of eternity hanging on. There, There are matters that are so vital to my life. I must walk in an attitude of reverence toward them because my attitude toward them is going to determine the outcome of my spiritual journey. And if I disregard them and I disrespect them, then I am sabotaging my own future, my happiness, my joy, Peace, fulfillment, all of those things are wrapped up. Let us fear. The writer has been dealing, had been dealing with a, a very broad concept in this passage and, and the previous passage, the word that he used is rest. And it, it has many connotations to it. It spoke about spiritual rest, that, that that the war is, is, is over in, in some sense. It spoke of peace of God or peace with God. That, that when there is spiritual rest in our life, we're not at war with God and, and His purpose for our life. And our purpose for life is not being compromised because we, there's, there's a, a good relationship going. There's there's communion. It speaks also of the promised land, which was settlement. 
I believe that God wants me to live a contented life in this life. I don't believe it's the will of God that I go through looking at everybody else saying, man, I wish I had that. You know what I've discovered about God? If I don't stop and give Him thanks for the little things in my life, He is not inclined to bless me with the big things that I really want. We love the miracle of the broken net in Luke chapter 5. We love to preach about that. They threw down their net. And when they pulled it up, they had so many fish that it began to break. They had to call other boats. We like that. That's what we want. We want that overflow. We want things just to be so abundant in our life. And if God doesn't bless us that way, then we feel like God's cheated us. But you need to go back and read that story again because the story begins by Jesus simply asking some fishermen, can I use your boat so I can preach a little bit? And they cast out just a little way. They didn't go along. They just, but the first step to a net breaking blessing in their life came with a simple obedience of letting him use their boat. Some people don't think coming to church is a big deal. But you know what? I've discovered that my faithfulness to the house of God goes a long way toward God blessing me with those big things that I've been asking for. Do you know some people don't think that consistency matters anymore? That, it, 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 you know, as long as, as you, sh- you show it every once in a while... As long as it's manifest every now and then, it doesn't have to be there every day. But I've discovered that in living for God, there's a tremendous power of blessing that comes out of consistency. God blesses those that just keep showing up, whether they feel like it or not, whether there's any energy in their body or not. They just keep coming back. They lift their hand. They don't feel nothing. They don't really feel like in their mind going through all that. But they have learned that the great things of God are often connected to the little things that we do in life. Amen. You know what? We're in the bigness. We like big cars, big bank accounts, big houses. God's into little stuff. How you treat your brother. Oh, oh, that cross your eyes, won't it? Huh? How you talk to your neighbor. Or better than that, how you talk to the cashier that's fumbling around with your money at the cashier and you're anxious and you're ready and you, what's this nincompoop doing behind a cashier? I know it irritates sometimes, but I, and I've had people get aggravated at me, but you know what I've become, has become a practice with me? If I get a very bad waiter or waitress at a restaurant, I usually tip them more than I do anybody else. I'm not tipping them because of who they are. I'm tipping them because of who I want to be. I want to be bigger than that mess. I want to be bigger than that, that, that snottiness. I want to be bigger than that uh, that that uh, I want them to know that everybody doesn't live the way you live. 
And maybe somewhere down the road, I'll get blessed for that. I don't, but if I don't, I just made up my mind. He said, not me. Bad service, they're not getting a tip. You know what? That's a bad witness. Because they already know what you are. They can tell by the way you look. That's one thing about Pentecostals. A true Pentecostal, you can't hide that we are that. The world knows you're different. You, you, you look different and not just look different, you act different, you talk different. So my blessing many times is tied up in the little things that I think aren't really that big a deal. God said, oh yeah, they are too. I'm meddling right now, I know that. Sometimes we need somebody to meddle with us. So what should we fear? This is, this is what the Lord began dealing with me about today. What should we fear? There, because there's no fear, there's no reverence. You know, you know what I believe? You know why I believe Samson ultimately fell? Is because he never revered Not his long hair. He did, it wasn't that vow per se, but Samson never revered the consecration that God had called him to live. And because he did not revere that consecration. You go read the book of Judges and the life of Samson, and it's uh, you, you're asking yourself, how could a man be used of God in the way that man was just used of God? And the next scene, he is at a prostitute's house, or he's trying to to find a wife of some lesser. I mean, you know, he, he, it doesn't make sense to me that he. It's like he plays with that calling on his life. You know what I believe happened? He never revered. He never, he never stood in awe of what that consecration meant to his life. Because you see, the power that operated in his life did not come just because he had long hair, but because he had an obedient heart. Woo. Yeah. So my holiness stance does not make me what I think it makes me. What makes me what I am in God's sight is my obedience, my heart that said, God, if that's what you say, if that's what you ask, that's how I'm going to live. Whether I agree with it or not, or whether I feel like it's a conviction or not, if your word says don't do that, I'm not going to do that. And so we need a, a an awe of what makes us different. We are different. We are called out. We're come out from a generation. We're a royal priesthood. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Why? Because you're mine. I want you to be identified as mine. But if you and I 
only come out because he said so. Somewhere down the line, we're going to begin to question why he said so. Somewhere, that calling has got to become an obedience issue and a submission issue. And so Samson never, he, he never revered that consecration, the value of that consecration. And so the devil, being who he was, began to operate. And the question they wanted to know is, where is your strength? Where, wherein that your strength lie? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably throw you a curve right now, but it, it wasn't in the fact that he had long hair necessarily. It was in the fact he had consecrated himself to God. And that consecration to God is what produced all those other things. Here's what I'm saying that for. I've lived around Pentecost all my life. And I've seen people that looked it, but weren't it. I know that's not good English. (laughs) They dressed it, but inside there was a contradiction. And I don't want that. And that's not the, the, that's not the life of an overcomer. The life of an overcomer is one that stands in all that there are some things that are so holy. There are some things that are so precious. There are some things that are so valuable that you don't compromise them. You don't prostitute them. You don't devalue them. You don't ignore them, but you give them first place in your life. Be ye holy. Why? 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 Because the church said that? Because the pastor said that? God said, be ye holy for I am holy. Be separate. Be distinct. Be unique. Don't be afraid of that or ashamed of that. Amen. And Samson never valued his consecration to God. And because he didn't value it, he played around with it. And he played around with it long enough that finally the devil figured out he could get to him. And he found out the strength where it lies. The devil wants to know where our strength lies. Our strength lies in how well we value our consecration to God. That there are some things in our life that are not an option. They are not a choice. We've already made that choice. This is decided. This is where I stand. This is what I am. This is how I'm going to live. This is what I'm going to be. Amen. Let us therefore fear. Fear. Fear what? Fear lest a promise being left. Unfulfilled promises. Potential. Is what I should fear. That I'm not living up to everything God said I could be. I think that's my greatest fear. Is that in my humanity sometimes I stumble 
And I must fall far, far short of what he was wanting out of me. But I don't want to be guilty of missing the fulfillment of promise. This is what I found out about God. God likes me a whole lot more than I even like myself sometimes. <laughs> and he thought good thoughts about me for a long time. Even when I think bad thoughts about me, he's still thinking good thoughts. He has figured out something good for me. He said, I have a purpose in for your life. Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have to you. Thoughts of peace. To give you an expected end. He said, it is your father's good pleasure to what? Give you the kingdom. Everything the kingdom of God represents. Peace, joy, love, kindness, long-suffering, all that the kingdom of God represents. God wants to give it to me. That'd be like Bill Gates come knocking on your door in the morning and say, I just had you on my heart and I just wanted to give you everything I have and write you a check for $58 billion or $68 billion, however much he's worth. That's what God does for every one of us. You, you say, you know, the problem is we see ourselves through our mistakes. God sees us through his grace. And when God sees us through his grace, it filters out all those shortcomings and all those falls and faults. Do you know what's amazing about God? David, the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. I'm going to get on another sermon here, but I, I'm going to preach this before too long. David was a man after God's own heart, but David was one of the biggest moral failures there is in Scripture. Not only that, he was a murderer. But you know what? I'll give you a... Let me think how much money I have right now. My wife's got it. I'll give you all the money my wife's got. If you can find one Scripture in the Bible where God ever brought up David's failure to it. Abraham lied twice about his wife. I mean, he lied. But you cannot find one place in Scripture where God ever said, Okay, Abraham, I got something I got to talk to you about. You lied about about you, about me, about your wife. I mean, it, it, it had more to do with just that moment. Not one time. Here's the problem with us. We struggle through our inadequacies and we're trying to make it through our shortcomings. But on the other side is God looking at us saying, oh man, there's potential there. How many, you have to, you have to understand that when you're looking at a fisherman that every other word is a curse word. And even when he gets filled with God's love and his life is changed and he's not quite to Pentecost, but he's getting close. He still reverts back to his old nature and uses a few choice words. But the Lord saw something in him. He said, you are Simon or you are Peter, but you shall be called Simon. You are this, but what I see is this. And God worked to bring him along the path to that place. That's the promises of God for my life. You need to understand that God has promises, especially 
with your name on it. He has potential. And the thing that I should fear every day of my life is that I come short of that. Because of my carnality or whatever, my meanness or my madness or my ugliness or whatever else, that I come short, that I don't reach high enough. That I become satisfied. That I, I'm contented with, you know what? God's been good to me. I don't want any more. I'm sorry. I'm like that little boy that the guy gave him a deal of ice cream and he, I mean, he just started devouring. And his mother slapped him and said, what do you say, son? He stuck the empty cone. He said, more. That's the way I am. I feel like that. I, Sunday night was great. Sunday morning was awesome. But when I come back on Wednesday night, I've got it up. I said, God, more. Why? Because I know God has more. I cannot allow myself to become satisfied. I say, man, we've been having good church. Amen. We have been. But that's just a prelim. The big show hadn't shown up yet. The big stuff hadn't come out yet. Amen. The promises of God. We need to fear lest we come short of those. Our attitude should be, God, help me to not ever take a day for granted. Help me to not ever take an opportunity for granted. Help me to not ever miss a chance to take a step closer to you. To come nearer to your glory. To come and embrace your truth more. Don't let me ever come to the place that I... Fall short of those promises. Amen. i got to hurry up. I'm doing more than I thought I was going to do. I should fear that I do not enter into it. And to me, that means that I don't get to enjoy it. It's one thing to have it. It's another thing to enjoy it. And some people are working so hard to have it They never take the time to enjoy it. Amen. Sometimes I just like to stand in service and just soak it up. Wow. I like waves just, you know. I I just like to stand in the presence of God. And man, it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. I feel Him right now. I just, I just feel like I need to stop a moment and just soak it. I told you this a while back, but one of our young converts a few years ago come out of a horrible back life. Brother Buddy said he heard her walk in the back door one night and she came from a home where there was abuse of every kind. When she walked through the back door, she goes, somebody looks, what's wrong with her? I'll tell you what's wrong with her. She has sensed an aroma of his presence. And it's so sweet. That's what she lives for. That's the way we need to get. And when it's not there, we need to do whatever we've got to do to get it here. Amen. Fear lest I do not enter in. Amen. I want everything God's got. You don't know? <laughs> I want everything he's got. I, I don't, I don't want to live in jealousy of the book of Acts. I want to live in hope that that book is not ended. It didn't end. It's not a completed book yet. 
We're still fulfilling the last days of the book of Acts. We're writing the, the, the last chapters of the book of Acts now. I don't want to look back and say, well, man, it was a lot different back then. Amen. Okay, I'm going to shut up. I need to fear. that I do not live with a consciousness of what matters. And thus, I lose something precious. Amen. Amen. I need to fear negative thinking. This is what's interesting. He said, beware. Lest you think, this is one translation, a part of our text. He said, beware, lest you think that you have arrived too late in history to ever enjoy the rest of God. Beware, lest you develop this negative thinking that I missed it. I send away my days of grace. I've missed my best chance. It's over. I mean, I'm just going to enjoy what I can, but I'm not expecting anything great. You go ahead and live that way. I'm expecting great things. Amen. I'm expecting cancers to fall out. I'm expecting tumors to disappear. I'm expecting diabetic issues to be reversed. I'm expecting heart issues to be taken care of. At the same God that opened the deaf ear and, and opened the blinded eyes is still the same God that I'm worshiping tonight. Amen. We need not allow ourselves to think that we've missed our best chance, that we squandered our life and we, this is just the way it's going to be. We need, we need not live looking back at what was but looking forward to what can be. Don't let anything shut you out of God's best. Amen. You know what I need to fear most? I need to fear losing faith. Amen. Let's stand together. Losing faith. Of letting my faith slip, my confidence, my assurance, I... I need to fear lest hardness slip in. I become calloused. I need to fear that I not be disqualified. Amen. Amen. We should guard our faith. Somebody say, guard your faith. Amen. Guard your faith. You know what I believe? I wrote this down. I feel like I need to say it to somebody. You need to attach yourself to people who strengthen your faith, not undermine it. But You know what? I'm supposed to love everybody, and I do. But I ain't hanging out with everybody. <laughs> I want to hang out with people that when I leave there, I'm thinking, wow, man, we can do this. I want to hang out with people that when I leave there, I'm thinking, God, do it again. 
Do it again. Do it one. Do it here. Do it in our church. Amen. I'm talking about the choices of champions, and it begins with an attitude of awe and reverence and fear for the things that matter, the things that count for eternity. Not coming short, not allowing ourselves to become hardened. Amen. Amen. You know, you can become hardened by just hearing the same thing over and over and over again. That's how calluses are formed. Something just rubbing against you until finally you reach the place where you can't feel as you used to feel. You become insensitive. I don't want that to happen in my life. Amen. Amen. Choices of champions. I want to be an overcomer. Choices. I I want the seeds that produce success. And it starts with the right attitude. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you need to work on your attitude. (laughs) Oh, yes. Ah. Oh, yeah. You thought I was going to say I need to work on it. But no, you need to work on your attitude. Amen. I need to work on mine too. Because I want to be an overcomer. Amen. How many of you want to be an overcomer? How many of you want to have that new name? Whatever that name is. Champion. Whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I want. I want to have my name written in a book that it can never be erased from. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your word. Oh God, I wish... I wish that I could love that word more and more every day. How powerful it is. How rich it is. How life-giving it is. Lord, let us live in that word. Begin to embrace those things. Let us work on our attitude. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and read it again through the week and say, God, help, help me. Save me from this. Keep me in this. Preserve me from that, Lord. Strengthen me here in this area. Help me to be sensitive. Help me to be obedient. Help me to be submissive. Help me to stand always in awe of the holiness of God that has come to my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless every family here. Bless every home, every child, every adult, every Marriage, every problem, touch you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody said amen. Turn one more time and say, the choice of a champion begins with his attitude. Amen. God bless you. I love you. See you Sunday morning.